you don't want to start? I want you to start. I'm I'm apprehensive about something that's start. about to happen. Uh, it's okay. It's going to be all right. Okay. Well, what's up, Ding Dongs? This is the Side Talks podcast. Rachel is about to drop something on us, and I don't know what it is, and I'm a little worried. It's okay. It's going to be all right. This is falling into the category of never forget. Okay. And so, you know, we talked a little bit last podcast intro about Fred Durst and uh-huh. a reminder about his um, his trying to be a bow to Angelina Jolie. Didn't work. Didn't work. He was trying to court her and it didn't work. But I want to remind everybody today about Mariah Carey's voicemails to her fans. Oh, no. Do you remember this? No. I let have me, no Let me hit you with one of these. Now, this doesn't always work on the microphone, so we're going to just give it a shot here, Brad. So watch your ears, everybody. Because listen, when I explained what happened to me on the stage at the American Music Awards, I was lying. Up it, the um, uh, even I just finally saw the performance, and I'm like, oh, I see. They thought the slit was what was ripped. No, darling, the whole left side of the upper portion of the dress was ripped. So had I moved the wrong way or whatever, it would have been a wrap. So. I was just like, oh, why me? Why did you even me? We don't need that. So anyway, Jessica, Pastor, we love you. We love your ensembles, but we can't have that no more. Anyway, so I just wanted to say because it kind of like I then changed clothes backstage in front of a million people. Just so you know, there's another 20 minutes of this. What? You don't remember this? No. Mariah was recording voicemails for her fans. Yeah, I missed that li- yeah. that mailing list. That's I just guess. a little three. That's a little two minute, less than two minute segment for you. But what is she talking about? I guess something that happened with her dress. She almost had a wardrobe malfunction on stage at and the American was, Music she, Awards, and which prevented her from moving. And so she wanted everybody to know why she was up there looking like a, a doll and not being able to move. Yeah. So what is this like late nineties, early two thousands? What this are we talking about here? Right before the breakdown, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of it. And uh, by the way, she leaves most of these messages with her outro being "Okie dokie, Smokies." <laughs> so that's the that's one of the most endearing things I've ever heard about Mariah Carey, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Anyway, I want everybody to go. You can do a quick little search, and you'll find some more content there. But that was a little, just a little flash of a refresher about that. So this is a podcast about Mariah, Mariah Carey, Carey. Uh, voicemails. Um, my name's Corey Kraft. Who are you? I'm Rachel Morgan. All right. Okie dokie, Smokies. Let's uh, get to talking about uh, Mariah Carey voicemails. I more. think that's better than ding dongs personally. No, I don't think so. So now it's time for a segment of the podcast called Phone a Friend, where we do just that. Phone a friend. Hello. What's up, McBurbo? How's it going? It's Rachel and Corey. Hey. Oh. Hi. Hello, everyone. Listen, I wanted to tell you, we just started the podcast with something I wanted to refresh your memory about, (laughs) just give you a little prequel to this. I played a little bit of Mariah Carey's voicemails to her fans from, you know, a a couple of decades ago. Do you remember those? Uh, I don't think I do. Well, Mariah's voicemail, like she, would you call her? Would she call you? I I don't know how she unleashed them on the world, but it was what she was calling her voicemails to her fans. And she was recording like a voice note on her phone and releasing it out there to the world. And it topics ranged from, you know, what we just listened to, which was why she couldn't move at the American Music Awards. I think it was (laughs) because there was a cut in her dress to, you know, railing on about the industry to just saying good morning. And it was right before she spiraled in, into mental unwellness. But, you know, anyway, you can listen to them out there on, on the YouTubes. I mean, I, I can't cast too many aspersions about it as someone who watches David Lynch's YouTube weather report. Right, every, so, every day. Yeah, so uh, this sounds great. 
Yeah. Anyway, just uh, I'm just giving you a little, uh, you know, the podcast. We're talking before the podcast is released, obviously. So you can front load listening to those if you want, Lisa. Absolutely, I will. I, yeah, I don't know. Wow, I love I love hearing that songbird just talk at me. I do too. There's also just somebody <laughs> in the background throughout all of them. There's just I don't know who it is a handler or just something. Someone would be like, that's just right. like yeah, just like like that's right, girl. You know, just that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> um wait, isn't her kid? What is her kid's name? Row or something? Rock or and Row. Rock and Row. Rock and Row. Rock and Row. Rock like, and row. R O W or R O E? R O E, Rock and Row. Right. And rock. I'll let you know too that something right. has happened with those two young folks that is maybe Mariah's put it into their water or maybe she's just a, a otherworldly being, but I don't think either Rock or Row has aged at all in the last 20 years. Every time I go say, I wonder what's going on with Rock and Row, which is fairly, fairly frequent every time i do that i go do an image search and it's like here they were you know two weeks ago and they still look six mm. okay interesting yeah very interesting yeah. Do you think clones you think she just yes. keeps like getting new she's I just do. swapping them out i just think she's like her puppies i watched a documentary once on mariah carey well it was kind of a documentary it was uh-huh. more like a promotional two-hour promotional film but there was a backstage in Japan kind of moment where she was just needing the love of animals and they brought in a pack of like 20 pu- puppies for her to play with. And then I'm pretty yeah. sure they just put them all down. Oh, my God. I'm not saying yeah, that literally. You- so don't so don't <laughs> cry, Lisa. But I mean, it felt like where do these puppies come yeah, from and where are you, they going? Yeah. You have talked about that before on here that you just presume that after they were done helping Mariah cheer up, they were useless and immediately, yeah, incinerated. <laughs> Euthanized. <laughs> I'm I sure. should be laughing right now. It's terrible. It's not true. It's not true, everyone. Don't let PETA hear about this. Uh, um, or do let PETA. Yeah. Maybe we need to stop Mariah Carey's puppy petting ways. Her reign of terror must end. <laughs> anyway, we're not calling you just to talk about Mariah Carey, even though, girl, we'll do that later. Um <laughs> I want to know what you're watching, and so does Corey. Um, okay, so this is a bit unusual for me, I would say. Um, this was, Tony wanted to watch this and suggested it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I would have never even thought ever to watch this, but Paddington. Hell, yes, Paddington rules. But not Paddington 2, which <laughs> is supposed to They both rule. Okay. But, but Paddington okay. 2 is better. Okay. Here's the thing. Yes, that's exactly why we watched it, because he said, you know, I've heard that Paddington 2 is really good, like actually really good. Yes. So I want to watch it, but we need to watch Paddington 1 first, just to obviously, you know, to get to get them in order. For so, real, for real. Apparently, yes, Paddington 2 is quite good. Now, have you seen either of these, Rachel? It sounds like Corey's seen, but... I haven't, and I'm actually making a note to myself that I've been meaning to watch Paddington 2, but just like you, I feel like I should do one first. You should do one first, okay. if only because... Do you know who plays the villain in one? Who? Who plays the villain? Nicole yes. Kidman. <gasps> Nikki K! Yes. Oh, my God. My, not- my wife is so prolific. She does stuff all the time and doesn't tell me. <laughs> Damn. Absolutely nothing. Seriously, I had no idea too, and I was like, he, Tony kind of said that. I was like, Patty, do you want to find it? And he's like, Well, yeah, but you know who the villain is. Which I, as soon as he said it, I was like, Why did you tell me that? It would have been a big reveal. And then, sure enough, in the movie, there's this beautiful reveal, and she's got this blonde page boy haircut, and she looks extra fierce. Um, but you know, anyway, it was fine. It was fun going into it knowing she would appear at some point. Um, but listen, she's a psycho. She's nuts. Okay, like <laughs> he is. She, okay, she's apparently some kind of elite ninja, and she can do all this. 
crazy, you know, there's this one whole scene where she's suspended down uh, via wires, much like her former husband was in Mission Impossible, that kind of vibe. And um, and she is, okay, well, let me back up. <laughs> Thomas I don't fucking Cruise. That's right. <laughs> Thomas always comes up. Um, okay, let me just back up before I get too into the what the deal is with Nicole. But, um, okay, so, yeah, so the little bears, um, there's Uncle Pastuzo, and there's an aunt there <laughs> in Peru. And um, a long time ago, an explorer man had met these unusual bears and befriended them. And so, yeah, Uncle Pastuzo, like, y'all, immediately dies. And yeah. I was so sad. All like, are you kidding me? They are just now, sh- I mean, like right off the bat, there's a dead bear. I mean, we didn't see the dead bear, Whoa. but it was definitely. Damn, this Whoa. goes hard. I didn't think Paddington was going to go hard. It, it's a, it's got a tragic backstory. It's setting up Paddington's eventual, right. you know, going to, going right. to England. I did not. Like there's the earth. So they, there's the marmalade harvest and they all do their marmalade harvest and they're dancing around in the Peruvian Amazon and they're having a great time. And then here comes an earthquake. And then uh, where's. Uncle Pastuzo, and then Paddington just goes over and looks down, and he picks up his crumpled <gasps> hat. Oh my god! Uh, it's so freaking dark. I'm like, whoa, is this for children? But I get it. I get it. You got some Bambi shut in your face. Yeah, man. So, so yeah. So Uncle Pastuzo dies. Spoiler alert. But it's right off the bat. But it's very sad. And then his aunt uh, goes to the like home for retired bears, and then sends Paddington <laughs> on a boat with a bunch of marmalade to London to find his way. Because um, he's got, oh, she wants him to find the explorer or the family of the explorer or what have you that you know first contacted them many For years sure. ago. And so, um, so anyway, so that's the deal. That's the little backstory. And then when we get to London, oh my gosh, the family that finds him at Paddington Station, hence the name, it is Daddy Downton. Oh, yep. Oh, little little crossover world there, yeah. And yep. uh, Sally Hawkins as the mom. Oh my god, yep. a wonderful and cast. They're fun, and they're, yeah, they're, it's like a fun, and he's very, he's a risk analyst, and he says stuff like 34% of pre-breakfast accidents involve banisters, like when, you know, <laughs> the little, the son was trying to slide down the banister because he saw Paddington do it, and, you know, shenanigans, shenanigans. Um, but, um, so, okay, there's, like, definitely a lot of silly, silly things, which are for kids' movies, you know, dumb, silly things, like, just slapsticky, silly stuff, like, at one point, Paddington's trying to climb up through this shaft and he's using these um small like what are they little mini vacuums you know little dirt oh, that sounds kind of, mildly annoying to like clip to the wall you know there's a lot of that where you're just like it's farcy and silly but there's enough awareness and self-awareness of the movie and the fact that he's a little tiny bear wearing clothes and people <laughs> in the city see, like it's not so weird that he's a talking bear, but it's like a little weird that he's a talking yeah. bear. So it's kind of, it's like not completely blowing everyone's mind, but they are, it's, you know, it's novel. And so they do have some good sort of, is this bear for real kind of references, which are cute and, and, you know, make you kind of chuckle and sort of make up for some of the silliest right. stuff. Let me tell you the worst, most silliest part. Okay. Is, well, I don't know. There's, that's debatable. There's this one scene where he doesn't know how to use the bathroom and he fills up, like, he runs too much water and the whole bathroom fills up and it's just like a shape of water. And I'm like, y'all, come on. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, that's, that's annoying. Kind of okay, yeah. Like, it's really, But that might be the silliest part. But there's this other part where, okay, they're at, they're, now they're back at another, um, what are they called over there? Not a subway, but a, the, the, the underground. Gap, the underground. That's the thing. And, he kind of loses track of the family, and he gets, like, stuck a little behind them, and then he doesn't know how to use an escalator. So oh, no, 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 no. He's like, oopsies, and, he, you know, whatever. 
somehow in this subway station, he uh, manages to obtain a small chihuahua. And now... Ah, now you have my attention. I, I know. Um, I don't think it's real. I think it's a CGI chihuahua, but... I'll it's take it. it. it looks like you a- know what? I'll fucking take it. <laughs> You'll take it. It's cute. It's, it's, it's cute. And it's blonde. You know, we like that kind. Um, so it is in his arms now, and he's on his escalator, and then there's, like, escalator shenanigans, and they're like, oh, you know, let's, I don't know how to go up it or down it or what's happening. Blah, blah, blah. And then he kind of trips, and he flies through the air, and then this chihuahua flies through the air. And I know it's a kid's movie, and everything's going to be fine, but, like, we already had that one dead bear. So, like, why are they endangering this chihuahua? (laughs) Wait, I I need to know, Lisa. I don't want to spoil this for the audience that hasn't seen Paddington like me, but please tell me the chihuahua is okay. Of course. Okay. Yes, it is. is. Because otherwise, I I was about to take a hard turn on this thing. The chihuahua lands in uh, uh, a wood chipper. So, you know, RIP. Shut up. (laughs) Shut up. Paddington, come on. (laughs) <laughs> the man comes up and he's like, oh, I'll take that back and like grabs the chihuahua back once they get to the bottom of the escalator. Good but for like, him. If some bear came up to me in a, in a, in a public area and took my chihuahua out of my hands, I would be pissed. I, I, and okay, <laughs> this one is really blatant disregard for escalator safety because after he takes that big tumble, he lands on his back at the very bottom step of the escalator. And it's just doing that thing where the escalator just keeps escalating and it's like, He's sort of moving because it's like the last step is going underneath his back and he's just sort of, you know, rocking there, sitting there while they're talking to him and, you know, talking like, what are you doing? And getting him up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, his bare hair or his flesh or whatever is going to get sucked into this escalator. And I just think that's not a good message. Like it implies you could easily just lay at the bottom of an escalator and you would be fine. Like That's dangerous. Children, if they watch this and they think, I can steal chihuahuas, I can jump around on escalators, I can lay at the bottom of them and not get sucked into them. I just thought, I'm serious. The escalator part stressed me out. I didn't like anything about that. And I thought that was very unnecessary. Um, I'm glad anyway, you're not in control of the rating system in this country. <laughs> Rated R for escalator safety issues. Seriously. If I was, a, yes, if I was an escalator specialty person, I would have stepped in and said something. But they didn't ask me, and I'm not one of those people. But Seriously, it was, yeah, it makes it seem like you can just horse around on those, and you cannot. Nor, um, nor should you ever horse around with a chihuahua, because those little babies uh, are fragile. They're delicate. They're delicate. They got hard noggins, though. <laughs> they do. They do. They're actually more resilient <laughs> than you think, but all the same, we don't throw chihuahuas in the air, Pat- Paddington. It'll be fine, because it did, it sort of landed on Paddington as he was, like, being sucked into the escalator at the bottom, and then the, the, the owner guy's like, oh, take that. But, um... And then there's another really silly scene where you just roll your eyes because it's so absurd. But apparently at one point, Paddington and um, Downton Daddy are trying to sneak into the Geographical Society to get some documentation of the, you know, the original explorer that found Paddington's family and stuff originally. And um, I think that they're, they see a cleaning cart and they're like, oh, this will be a better way to sneak in. And then suddenly within, you know, the time they were in the elevator, he comes out and he's fully like Mrs. Doubtfire, like you know, <laughs> oh, wearing no. a dress, makeup. There's not a wig because I guess I thought that was too implausible, but there is fully makeup. Like what? Where did this come from? But and he, you know, he looks like a man in a makeup and a dress. And then, um, but of course, this is to the liking of one of the security guards because he got really into, um, what's his real name? Hugh Bonneville. Yeah, Hugh Bonneville. Um, I'll just calm down, Daddy. But yeah, they uh, and it was just kind of one of those you're like, what? Who is this for the kids? Is this who is this scene for? You know, one of these where it's a little bit ridiculous, but you know, I guess you need you need a little 
cross-dressing slapstick for any British um, bear movie. Yeah, you have and, the security guards just like, well, 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 there's a lady. Hello, ma'am. Yeah. Oh, no. Hello. We could skip that um, scene. And then, um, yeah, so since your girl, Nikki Kay, is the villain, um, yeah, I won't, like, spoil it or any of that. But I just feel like she, okay, she... She works at the Natural History Museum, and she apparently her father, the Peruvian explorer, like, you know, he was doing some exploring, and she wanted to go farther and do more extreme things than he did and um, collect specimens, if you know what I mean. And so, like, why would she want to collect this little bear for her museum who wears clothing and he speaks? Like, that seems ultra cruel. Like, he's, that's a very anomalous bear. You know what I mean? Like, you don't just put that in a museum and you taxidermy it or whatever. But, um, apparently, this is your girl for you. She, uh, according to, you know, the, uh, the internet here, has, she took, um, let's see, Despite being a keen animal lover, Nicole Kidman took a taxidermy class to prepare herself for the part. Oh my God! Listen, that's just commitment. That I mean that that just says everything about this woman. She took okay, a taxidermy listen. class uh-huh. to prepare for her role in Paddington. I love you, Nikki <laughs> Kay. I love you. And then, okay, listen, listen. Nicole Kidman learned to throw and twirl knives for her role as Millicent. She was. Uh, she has noted that during shooting, the producers told her to tone down her knife throwing tricks as she was considered too intense for a children's movie. Ultimately, the scenes featuring her skills were cut out of the movie. Oh my God! I need the. I need what landed on the cutting room floor. Listen, that my bitch is intense. And you know how they? Do you remember this, Lisa? When they had those? I think it was Vogue or Cosmo or something. Did this things you don't know about a celebrity. And they would say mm-hmm. they would share their odd habit, their like odd, like I don't know, hobby or what have you. And Nicole Kidman's was I like to eat bugs, which is what? still one of my favorite. Like cooked or what? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. She likes to eat bugs, right, and Nikki. they present her with a bowl of them, and she crunches some grasshoppers, and she's like, "Something you don't know about me, I eat bugs." And it's one. It's everybody else is like, "I knit." I'm telling mm-hmm. you, it's totally worth taking a look at. That's another little YouTube rabbit hole you can jump down. You know, that's kind of maybe a down under thing. You know, they have a lot of weird bugs down there. Maybe. <laughs> it is. That's, that's exactly true. why. It's I, in her blood I to agree. eat these I suckers. I think that's true. I think that's indisputably <laughs> true. And if you're listening to us from Australia, uh, podcast at SidewalkFest.com. Let us know. Let if us we're know. On, Let on us know if, if, if Nikki K eats these bugs because of her blood, <laughs> her Aussie blood. So I... I mean, I am just so impressed by what she did for this film, and we need to see this extra footage. I do. It's amazing. Um, and apparently, I believe Hugh Grant is the villain in the second film. And he is um, delightful. It is so good. He's Paddington, a villain. He's a born to be a villain. Paddington that's what he goes is. to prison in the third movie and, and befriends a surly inmate played by Brendan Gleeson, whose name is Knuckles McGinty. Um, this is like Broke Down Palace too. Meanwhile, um, villainous <laughs> Hugh Grant is a washed up, like preening actor who dons a lot of different costumes throughout the course of the movie doing his villainy. And it is a blast. Well, I this okay. is sounding good. This is all sounding very, very good to me. They're both great. Paddington 2 upcoming, or Paddington 3, sorry, upcoming. Can't wait for it. If super excited for the further adventures of Mr. Paddington Bear. Um, I love both these movies, though, genuinely. They're great. 
it was really fun. And even though there's, yeah, like I said, you know, silly kid movie stuff, there's still a lot of, you know, other fun things going on. And like I said, you know, jokey things. And there's so much action. I mean, Tony at one point said, like, this could be a Marvel movie. There's just a, like a lot of crazy fighting. And, you know, the like I said, the scene where Nicole comes down on a wire, Mission Impossible style, there's like all kinds of, well, apparently not her knife throwing skills, though. We didn't really get to see that. But um, it's got a lot going on. So, um yeah, I would recommend, and I would also, uh, I'm excited to see the second one. And do you know who the villain in the third one's going to be, Corey? It hasn't been announced yet, but I'm, I'm oh, hopeful I'm it's going to be another equally overqualified British thespian. But also, let me just, <laughs> let me throw this out there. Could it be my one and o- my second and only Michelle Williams? I, Michelle Williams. Well, wouldn't I mean, that be something? That would be something. I just hope it's like like super serious Tom Hardy, like menacing that little bear, like inappropriately for a children's <laughs> movie, you know, doing like his Bane thing. Like I'm going to punch you little bear and, and just like being, you know, incongruous. Well, at this point with their budget and their success thus far, I would think they've got the pick of the Hollywood litter. And of they course do. the, I mean, the we- brick, the, the pick of all of Britain as well, I would think. Or do a, do a Paddington knives out crossover and have Paddington and Benoit Blanc like, solve mysteries together get daniel craig in there doing that silly accent you should put this into that app i talked about earlier and haven't just written yeah ai will just generate the screenplay for us it'll do all the work for us sell it to netflix yeah hell yeah well thank you for bringing us this i actually had had this on my list to watch and so i'm going to move it up the list now lisa thanks okay yeah on number two so that we can watch number three and see who that yeah oh for sure that big celebrity is going to be that sounds like a trip to the movies to me, and we'll have some food ordered to the seat, and Hell we'll yeah. maybe bring some marmalade with us to put on, you know, well, something. Well, you'll have to. You'll have to. Yeah. Is my last, I have another factoid that I read. Um, in the UK, the popularity of this movie greatly enhanced the sale of marmalade and oranges within the first half of 2015 and served a rise in downloads of marmalade recipes. So they had a whole marmalade wave. Okay, holy shit, because already <laughs> they basically eat marmalade at every meal. <laughs> so, I mean, they, they tr- quadrupled down on that shit. Yeah. It's impressive. It's impressive. I love it. All right. Well, we will, uh, you should go get a spot of tea and we will uh, talk yeah. to you later. Of course. Okay. All right. Bye, Bros. Bye. Bye. Reflections. So the Golden Globes were last night. I know this is airing at a time when they're well in the rear view. But, That's right. But for us right now, when this is being recorded, the Golden Globes were just yesterday eve. And I just was curious very quickly what your thoughts were. I know you didn't watch the whole show, but you definitely ble- you know, read through the all the winners and I'm sure watched a couple of clips here and there. So what are your thoughts, Corey? Yeah, you know, there, there weren't any huge surprises with the winners. They were pretty much what I expected. I think the Fablemans has kind of cemented its status as like sort of in the top tier of contenders along with the Banshees of Inisherin, along with um, Top Gun Maverick, which didn't, I don't think win anything at the, the Golden Globes, but I wouldn't count it out for Oscar uh, and everything everywhere all at once. Um, the, right. the big story of course, I think is um, everything everywhere winning two acting awards for Kihi Kwan, um, who plays Wayman in the movie, and then, of course, Michelle Yeoh, who won Best Actress in a Comedy Musical. Kihi Kwan's speech is the only thing I saw from the Golden Globes, but it was a wonderful speech, and I think it 
puts him ahead of the pack for winning the supporting actor Oscar, which would be a lovely story uh, and a great comeback narrative for for him. Um, the the one thing I am a little surprised about because for weeks people had been saying Angela Bassett in Black Panther: Wakanda Forever was yeah. kind of the front runner for supporting actress, and I was just like, really, I don't see that. I don't see it. But she's, I think, now the front runner for best supporting actress at the Oscars. And look. Should Angela Bassett have an Oscar or a Golden Globe in this case or any yeah, yeah. amount of acting yeah. awards? Sure. Should it be for playing Black Panther's mommy? I don't know. Right. I don't know. Like that feels weird to me. Like she's really good in that movie. And I think there have there's just kind of like a, a wide open field in supporting actress with no clear contenders. Um, that she might as well be, I guess, the front runner at this point. But it feels like a weird win. Still, I'm not gonna be too annoyed by it because she is good in the movie and she's great in general. Um, the Banshees of Anna Sharon, uh, kind of surprised winning best comedy over everything everywhere all at once, but that kind of felt like a toss up. I felt like that could have gone either way. And of course the golden globes are the Hollywood foreign press association. So them gravitating toward an Irish movie is not altogether Hugely surprising. Can um, I ask you this too? Do yeah. you think that that's in part because everything is a bit divisive? Well, I think it's in part because everything is geared toward a younger audience, okay. and I, I don't know what the yeah, you know the the, gotcha. the the Hollywood foreign press is kind of notoriously secretive, or up until the past few years when they were embroiled in controversy about their membership, uh, had been, but they are all. Older voters, sure, sure, I think, sure, sure. and I, I think that they are. That's a, as a voting body more likely to gravitate towards something a little bit less caffeinated than everything right, everywhere. Right, right. And and Banshees of Inisherin fits that bill. Um, Colin Farrell is so good in so many things that I, I think at this point it's kind of safe to say that he's kind of passed. Brendan Fraser as as Oscar front runner for best actor. Interesting, um, but don't be surprised if other Golden Globe winner Austin Butler for playing Elvis Presley in Boz Lerman's Elvis might surprise there. It might. I wonder how 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 far does it go that Brendan Fraser is just kind of a generally a nice guy. It goes a long way, but yeah. but so is Colin Farrell. Like is he? Yeah. Well, he he's, went he's, through he went through his wild period, but since then, you know, he seems the like past, the kind of guy that would grope you on a plane. I think that might have been true at one point. I don't think that's been true okay. for 15 years. Okay. Um, and and he, he's, he did it while the getting was good. I guess so. And like he's kind of settled down and by all accounts has been super professional and uh, a pleasure to work with. Um, I, I think even he has spoken with some candidness about his wild years um, and his years of alcoholism. But but he's, he's sobered up and has done really the best work of his career in the past, I don't know, five, ten years. Um, so I, I do think that he stands a better than average shot. Now, best actress is a nail biter because on the one hand, you have the wonderful Michelle Yeoh, never been nominated for an Oscar or really any major acting awards who got the role of a lifetime and everything everywhere all at once. On the other hand, you have a towering all-time performance from Kate Blanchett in Tar. Now, Kate Blanchett has two Oscars. Michelle Yeoh has zero Oscars. Is that going to weigh into people's mindset when they think about what they're voting for? Oh, it probably will. Should it? I don't know. Should and should and will. But I also think that the Oscars are, let me say this, and I, I don't want uh -huh. this to sound politically incorrect, but I think that the Oscars are very 
gun shy about hashtag Oscar so white mm. and that that also can have a bit of an impact that it might feel a, a little more appropriate to not hand that over to Kate Blanchett. Maybe so. And and the fact that she has so many already is is maybe a strike that against her. Also might push it Even in that though, direction. Yeah. Again, as we've said, Tar I for my money might be her very best performance of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um so that's a nail biter. Too close to call. I think it'll be uh, too close to call until the moment that the envelope is opened uh, on Oscar night. Um, other than that, I mean, you know, Steven Spielberg appears to be in line to collect um, another directing award for The Fablemans, which is a wonderful movie. And he is, for being one of the most successful directors of all time, um, weirdly underrated when it comes to awards bodies giving him awards. Like it took a really long time for him to get his first director nomination. It took an even longer amount of time for him to win one. He's won two. It's been almost 25 years since his last win. And the Fablemans is a really wonderful movie. Now, would I vote for him? I don't know. I don't know who Look, I would vote for. And it's not like he needs the validation. He's that's what I was going to say. He's Spielberg. What else does he want? But, but he more than deserves, I think, a place in you know the history of the Oscars is one of the most awarded figures of all time. If he were to win a third director Oscar, it would that put him up sense. there with like John Ford and, uh, and William Wyler. Be. And I mean, I don't. I'm not even a Spielberg fan. He should be. But let me let me ask you this. Okay. What was your call? Remind everyone what your call was when we talked about the Academy Awards several weeks ago. You went yeah. ahead and said, I said, go ahead and get on the record and let us know what you think is going to win this year. And, and I, you I said, said everything everywhere all at once. Are you going to now change your tune or are you sticking with your initial prediction? It's certainly still in the conversation. Okay. Um, Banshees of Inisherin has surprised me. By being as popular as it is, it also won the Golden Globe for Best Screenplay over Everything Everywhere. Um, the Fableman still hang is still hanging in there. And call it backed up against a wall right now with Brad making notes yeah. about this and Sam making notes about this. Call it. What is going to be the Best Picture winner at the 2023 Academy Awards? Now on January 11th, I kind of think it's Top Gun Maverick. Whoa, okay, that came out of nowhere. Yeah, I kind of think I'm backing away from everything everywhere, which I do think is going to have a good night. I think it's going to win. I mean, it's certainly guaranteed to at least win supporting actor. I think it stands a better than average shot at actress, at screenplay. Look, everything everywhere, you know, and and our friend Daniel Scheiner, the co-director, co-writer of that movie, I think he's going to have a good night on Oscar night. Will 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 him and his buddy Daniel win the best directing award. I don't think so. Okay. I think Spielberg's going to win that at this moment. Okay. And and you think Maverick's taken best I kind of do because Okay. That's I wasn't expecting I, that from you. I kind of um, I kind of think at this point that it's got the juice. Now, I I reserve judge, you know, the right to change that between well, now and we'll, Oscar. We'll check back in with you in a few weeks but, for sure. But but I do think it's got it's got more than enough juice behind it. People love it. It was an all-time sort of box office sensation as well, we've talked about on this podcast over and over n- again number of times and let's be real everything everywhere blew the box office apart sure, but not like maverick not and and not it's not i mean i love 
Everything Everywhere, it is certainly a less traditional and a less accessible movie than Top Gun Maverick, broadly speaking, right? Um, Top Gun Maverick has been, is being pointed to as the movie that has saved the theatrical movie-going experience. And you I know what? You know, there's an argument to be made for that. Might not right? be wrong, dude. And um, I, I think that this year, you know, the Academy might put uh, their votes behind this very muscular, traditional blockbuster entertainment for Best Picture. Now, regardless of what wins, it's going to be a weird winner, right? Because Top Gun Maverick is not like much that's won Best Picture, especially recently. But neither is everything everywhere all at once. And I would say neither is the Banshees of Inisherin. I think These Banshees are all... is, is less – I think it's less like the other things that have won than it looks to be on the surface. Yeah, it's certainly. Certainly. That is a weird, dark movie that could very well go the distance Oscar-wise. Even the Fablemans is – That seems like the most traditional choice. It's the choice. most traditional choice, but even that is less traditional than you would think from the outside in. There's huh. a lot going on yeah. in the Fablemans. It's a complicated, darker movie than most people are giving it credit yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is not just the starry-eyed Spielberg gaze magic of cinema movie that the trailers sort of suggest sure. that it is. And it – you know, the fact that Michelle Williams is still hanging in there for Best Actress, As uh, she possibly, um, and Paul Dano for a supporting actor. Um, you know, th- those are those are great, complicated performances and great roles for those performers. So, you know, look, um, it it's kind of hard to say at this point. I do think Top Gun is is the the choice because of its strength. Um, just in general at the box office, Joseph Kaczynski, the director, showed up uh, today as a nominee for the Directors Guild uh, Awards, but so did Spielberg, so did uh, The Daniels, so did Todd Field of Tar, and um, same, Martin, Martin same McDonough names. for the yeah. Banshee's I mean, these Inisher. are going to be the same names that we're going to be hearing. Yeah. It's once, once they've been nominated for one thing, it's just a repetition yeah. over and over and over again. Fine, whatever. But you've called it. We're holding you to it. Hold we'll me, give you hold an opportunity to, to change your mind. I might but have to. You don't have that much longer. I don't. I and I and I do think that there's just something about Top Gun that just has just captivated people all year. And um, you know, it, we've talked about it so much on this podcast. Neither of us saw this coming. Neither of us saw it becoming the big, you know, door busting sensation that it clearly has been. Um, and I think that that unlikely <laughs> success story might continue to the best picture Oscar, but we'll see. I'd love to see Thomas fucking cruise up on that stage. Uh, I hope he, uh, thanks, um, his associates in, in, um, sea <laughs> org, um, and in the, the organization uh. that, we don't have to talk about that. That's no. that's 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 low hanging Tom Cruise fruit, uh, and I love Tom oh, Cruise. And I can love... we get a dick jar sound for low hanging Tom Cruise fruit? Absolutely. I just that's something really wrong about that. Was talking about his yeah. balls. <laughs> Well, thank you for listening to the Side Talks podcast where your own personal cinematic Tom Cruise's ball number one and ball number two. <laughs> Not really. I'm actually, that was just, that was off the cuff, y'all. They and, were just, and, they were absorbed into his abdomen during all those like crazy, um, uh, sure. intense jet sequences in Top Gun. I will say if I had to be a ball sack. <laughs> 
<laughs> if, I, if I had to be, it would be Thomas fucking Cruises. Let's be real. Let's be real. <laughs> Podcast is over. Shut We're shutting it down. <laughs> Side talks uh, canceled. I didn't uh, know they could cancel podcasts. It's just podcasts. a choice of right or left, and I'm going to go right. Oh, my God. All right. Thank you to Batwall Studios. Good thing we don't have a sponsor aside from you, Brad. Um, we're looking looking for anybody who might be interested. Yeah. Why, <laughs> why would you not want to jump on board this ship? Um, um, podcast at SidewalkFest.com. Hashtag Sidewalk or whatever the hell you want to do on social media at Sidewalk Film. And SidewalkFest.com. Come get uh, tickets uh, to see a movie with us at the Sidewalk Cinema. We got some good stuff coming up. See you there. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.